scripture this morning is from Luke 5, verses 27 to 39. Later, as Jesus left the town, he saw a tax collector named Levi sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up, left everything, and followed him. Later, Levi held a banquet in his home with Jesus as guest of honor. Many of the Levi's fellow tax collectors and other guests also ate with them. But the Pharisees and their teachers of religious law complained bitterly to Jesus' disciples. Why do you eat and drink with such scum? Jesus answered them, Healthy people don't need a doctor. Sick people do. I have come to call not those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are sinners and need to repent. One day some people said to Jesus, John the Baptist's disciples fast and pray regularly, and so the disciples of the Pharisees. Why are your disciples always eating and drinking? Jesus responded, Do wedding guests fast while celebrating with the groom or not? But someday the groom will be taken away from them, and then they will fast. Then Jesus gave them this illustration. No one tears a piece of cloth from a new garment and uses it to patch an old garment. For then the new garment would be ruined and the new patch would not even match the old garment. And no one puts new wine into old wineskins, for the new wine would burst the wineskins, spilling the wine and ruining the skins. New wine must be stored in new wineskins, but no one who drinks the old wine seems to want the new wine. The old is just fine, they say. Thank you for downloading our podcast. Make sure you subscribe to get new ones every week. And don't forget to check out First United Methodist Sweetwater's website and social media. Now, here is Pastor Ryan Strebeck. Well, I bring you uh, greetings uh, this morning from Bishop Jimmy Nunn, uh, who is our bishop along with uh, the Oklahoma Annual Conference, and we had a meeting yesterday in Abilene. Uh, I did not realize that Jimmy Nunn, our bishop, was from the great state, nation, city, uh, Abernathy, Texas. Did y'all know that? Yeah, right. Yeah, the... Uh, so, uh, but we've known him for a long time. He's a pastor in our conference and we're delighted to have him as our bishop and he sends his greetings today. Uh, while I was in Abilene, uh, I went downtown to get a cup of coffee before I headed back to Sweetwater and it was just, you know, there's those moments in life where you recognize something good, that there's something good there and there's something worth doing and it's just right on your doorstep. You know, and it's almost like the, the gravity of the universe is pulling you towards that moment. And like you would have to just be really crazy to, to not go ahead and say yes. 
And so yesterday, one of those moments, just in a, you know, kind of a funny way, I'm walking down the sidewalk there on Cypress Street, and it's just me on the sidewalk until this little Girl Scout in all her decked out apparel comes running up to me and says, would you like to buy some Girl Scout cookies? And I mean, the whole universe is just saying, yes, yes. And so, of course, I, I look around, I'm like the only one there. I'm like, young lady, I'll buy whatever you have, you know. <laughs> just, give me a whole box, you know. Um, and uh, it's, it's like that when we, you know, those of us that have been uh, fortunate enough to, to temporarily deceive someone into becoming our spouse, we realize who was way out of our league. Uh, I remember those days, you know, in Lubbock, Texas, and I'm like, I'll do anything. I've got to find some way. I will, how much time do I have between classes here? Can I make it from the ag college over to the math building? Just to swing in and say, hi, don't forget about me. Don't get engaged to someone else. I'm asking pretty quick. You know, one of those things. Like, we know when the timing is there, and you've got you to do it. So these are the moments in life where you just hear the music. You just hear the music. And so uh, there's this uh, country music artist named Wade Bowen, and uh, he's got this song out that Ethan and I heard the other day. And the chorus says, you've got to rise when the rain comes down. You've got to dance when the band's downtown. You've got to get lost to get found. You've got to love when love comes around. And I love that song and the message of that chorus and the text that was read for us today. Jesus is at table at this great social event with all these important people and at the home of a person that he's just asked to follow him and the guy's just said yes and Levi's prepared this great banquet and they're there and Jesus at the table with his disciples and there's this big controversy immediately from the Pharisees and they have two objections. First they say, Jesus, you're eating with the wrong people. And then they say, Jesus, your disciples behave differently than John's disciples and our disciples. And in both cases, Jesus says in his own words, guys, you've got to dance when the band's downtown. I'm telling you, it's time and you're missing it, you know. So he says, it's not those who are well who need a doctor, but it's those who are sick. Uh, it's, he's like, what are you supposed to do when the bridegroom is in town and the wedding's on? Like, that's not the time to fast. You know, you don't skip out on the wedding feast. You don't miss the wedding dance. You don't skip the reception. It's, that's just the party. It's time. You got to dance when the band's downtown. So for us... The band downtown in this text is the calling of Jesus. And then the dance is our opportunity to follow Jesus. It's, you know, as simple as that. And so uh, we kind of look into the text. If you're following along today, it's Luke chapter 5. We're, we're moving through Luke's gospel here. Luke chapter 5, starting at verse 27. <clears throat> Jesus, uh, Luke tells us that Jesus runs into a tax collector named Levi. This is the only time that Levi is mentioned in, in uh, the Gospels, and it's the same person that we know later in the list of disciples as Matthew. Uh, but here we don't really have any backstory. We don't have any reason to believe that Jesus hung around this guy much before. He's a tax collector, which puts him in an estranged kind of group in society. Uh, they were, the tax collectors in that day were, were kind of the number one way that you could be an entrepreneur. If you were hungry and you really could work and you were a good salesman and you didn't mind extorting people a little bit, maybe you had some cousins with big necks that could show up and intimidate, this is the career that you chose because it worked really well. And so, you know, the Roman Empire, they kind of quit collecting their own taxes, so they got rid of the IRS and they said, let's just outsource this to some private folks, whoever's the hungriest. And so they'd say our tax rate is 10% or whatever it is. Well, those guys would go out and say, 
Oh, 10%, you say. Well, let's start with 25 and see how that works. And they would work through the neighborhoods and collect taxes. And then, of course, they go back and they have to pay the guy above them and the guy above them has to pay. And so they kind of took their cut and everybody knew. So that's why John the Baptist came in and said, hey, if you're a tax collector, just take what you're supposed to take. Don't take more. And so, you know, it wasn't that you couldn't be a tax collector and follow Jesus. It was just that typically they were extorting people. And Jesus was like, there's a problem with that. Uh, And so nobody liked them. And so Jesus goes straight to Levi, and he says, hey, I I know you're a tax collector and all that. He says, why don't you follow me? And amazingly, uh, Levi does. He leaves his little tax booth there, and he goes. And not only does he go, but he recognizes that there's more to it than just, okay, I said yes. So he goes home, and he just starts making plans. And he has this banquet. Jesus is the guest of honor. It was custom in those days. You know, you'd eat the meal. You'd have a conversation. We always say, you know, when you get people together, you don't talk religion. You don't talk politics. But that's what they did. They would have, you know, some question of the day, and they would go through it. And you'd have this guest of honor, and you'd say, well, let's, let's see what this Jesus says to say about so and so and so and so and so Jesus carried on and anyways the subject very quickly of the conversation becomes uh, Jesus reply to the Pharisees objection you know they're going Jesus you're eating with the wrong people here we got don't you see the people are around and I love what they do what the Pharisees do because Jesus uh, I mean I'm sorry Luke has just told us that Levi made a great feast in his house there was a large company of tax collectors and others so there's tax collectors and there's others. Well, the Pharisees come along, and they don't call them others. They call them what? Sinners. They say, hey, Jesus, why are you eating with these tax collectors and <clears throat> sinners? You know, so they, the, you know how labels work, right? We learn about labels in the time we're little school kids and, you know, what you can do with a label. And so that's what the Pharisees do. They call, they label these, this group of people sinners, which just meant, meant more than you were doing bad stuff. It meant that you were outside. You were somehow an outsider. And so, uh, you know, they're saying, Jesus, why are you hanging out with these outsiders? Here we are. We're the prized insiders. What about all these outsiders? And what's the deal? And Jesus says, you know, with some irony, can't you just hear him kind of saying, okay, um, it's not those who are well who have need of a doctor, but those who are sick. And he said, I've not come to call the righteous, but sinners to make a life change. And so Jesus uses their word, but you can tell he says it with a little bit of irony. He goes, okay, you're going to call these people sinners. Well, let me just tell you that I came for these sinners. You know, these are my people, and I came to call them to a new life. And so far, they're responding. So he's kind of asking the Pharisees to take a back seat. Um, And so uh, just in how Jesus does and Jesus in making his calling, I mean, he's there, he's there to call Levi, and Levi's responding, but Jesus is there to call more people. He's there to call this group of, that's been labeled sinners. He's building his tribe. He's building the new Israel, right? He's building the church, and he wants everybody to know that they're invited. It doesn't matter where you started. Remember what Paul said to the church in Corinth? Remember, brothers and sisters, consider that not many of you, when you were called, were of noble birth. Not many of you, according to the world standards, were much at all. But it's because but it's God chose to take the foolish things in the world and, and bring wisdom out of those things. So it's all part of the gospel. You know, the gospel is foolishness to those who are perishing. But to those who are being saved, Paul says, the power of God. So it's, that's how it's working through here. Jesus is calling people. And I mean, it's the most compelling image of Jesus. You can't read this story. You can't hear this story and not think, man, for all the ways that I've felt outside in my life, for all the ways I've felt excluded, for all the times that I felt like I didn't belong, 
this is my guy. This is the place that I want to be. Jesus walked right up to the table and he said, hey, you don't feel like you belong, but I'm telling you, you belong. You guys belong. Doesn't matter where you started, but I'm going to take you and show you where we're going to finish. This is how it's going to look in the kingdom of God. And so uh, it's instructive for the church to kind of follow Jesus in this way. You know, Jesus, it, what a great first lesson for Levi. You know, you get called into the tribe, you get called to follow Jesus, and your very first lesson is a lesson that you just watch, and you watch it happen. And Jesus basically says, look, there's a group of people that think that they're already in, everything's good, and there's a group of people over here that feel like they're out and they'll always be out. And Jesus said, I'm gonna remind them that I'm calling everybody that I want everybody to respond to the good news of God. It doesn't matter who they are or where they come from. And so it's very instructive for us as a church as we watch Jesus move about in his table fellowship and how he's eating with the wrong people over here and he's a little too close to these people over here. Uh, he's moving from moments of prayer and fasting where Jesus himself is fasting and then he's, he's out praying and then he comes back into town, you know, and he's working through these groups of people. It's very instructive for us. Is this not how we do ministry? You know, we eat lunch with all kinds of people. We uh, go to parties with all kinds of people. We move in and out of our worship and our prayer. And it's specifically so that we can be part of bringing those who are sick in proximity to a physician. That's, that's what we do. That's part of our work. So um, it's the good news of the gospel through the people that are following Jesus. And, uh, you know, it's just who does Jesus not win over here? I mean, how, who, who is he not a hero to in, in these moments? Uh, which of us haven't felt like an outsider? And uh, see this. So, so the Pharisees go on to objective number, uh, excuse me, objection number two. And they say, hey, Jesus, um, okay, your disciples, I mean, okay, John's disciples, we like them. They fast like we do. You know, we see them over here. They've been kind of doing, following the Jewish stuff. We get it. And, you know, that works. We like them. We want to get behind you and your disciples, but y'all, we don't really like how y'all are doing things. He said, uh, you guys are always eating and drinking. Like, what's the problem? You know, the Pharisees' disciples, John's disciples, they fast. Y'all are always feasting. You know, what's the deal? And Jesus just in this beautiful image, he says, well, do you think it's wise to make the, the wedding attendants? I mean, the people that came to the wedding when the bridegroom is here, should we make them fast? Or is it time to party? You know, is this the time that we all came here to see something beautiful happen? Should we not participate? And so, you know, because fasting was really, fasting is about those times where things are not right. You know, you fast when things, when, when there's pain. You fast when we're hurting. We fast when we want to recognize Jesus more clearly and we're just not seeing Jesus. And so we fast to kind of focus our vision. We turn the binoculars a little bit. That's what fasting does for us. And uh, we fast when things are not right. You know, we fast when we're sad. We fast and because we're, we're, we're joining uh, that prayer that says, you know, Lord have mercy. We, we don't know what's going on here. Uh, but these times where, where Jesus is immediately present, let's take a Sunday morning worship service. Let's take uh, a conversation with someone when you go visit someone in the hospital. Let's take a Sunday school classroom with children. These moments where Jesus is immediately present, that's not the time for us to fast. You know, here we are. This is the time to celebrate. It's the time to feast. And so, you know, what do you do? 
And Jesus says, look, there will be a day when the bridegroom is taken away from them, and they will fast in those days. He's reminding them, look, it's not because they don't know how to fast or it's not important. There will be a time they will fast, and there will be rhythms of fasting and feasting and fasting and feasting, and that's what we do uh, as a church. You know, we're, we're always moving between heaven and earth. We're, we're fasting. We're, we're sitting in the dust. We're lamenting as Watson did in his beautiful prayer, the things that are wrong with the world. But then when we, we come together and we celebrate Jesus and we're feasting and we move back and forth, you know, we're, we're, we're visiting, we're experiencing heaven and we're moving still here in earth, you know, and we're bringing people back and forth the whole time. And so he tells them this little parable. He says, look, no one takes a piece off of a new garment. You know, no one, you, you hand somebody a new shirt, no one takes a pair of scissors and cuts a patch off that new shirt and puts it on their old shirt. And I mean, I love my old shirts. Anybody here like old shirts and old jackets and stuff? I see some smiles out there. Uh, my wife always laughs at me because, um, I, you know, I'll keep anything forever. If I can patch it or I think somebody can patch it, uh, it was really sad when my grandma stopped patching my jeans and stuff because I just love to keep that stuff around. I'd bring her patch material, and she would fix all my jeans, fix my work shirts, and I just loved, I love them. I like them better after they're patched than when they're, you know, uh, than, than when they're brand new. But, but so I get attached to my shirt, you know, I like my shirt. And so if, if you handed me a shirt and I'm wearing a shirt that I really like, that would be like me saying, thank you for that shirt. I've got one little place to patch. I'm just going to cut your new shirt that you gave me so I can patch my old shirt. And, and we do that with Jesus, right? And Jesus knows that. It's like, okay, I'm living my life. I'm doing my thing. And Jesus comes along and we say, hey, a new shirt. Cool. Uh, let me take a little patch so I can have my Jesus patch. And I'll put it over here on my everyday Ryan shirt. And, uh, and it was good. Like, everybody, did y'all get your Jesus patch? Yeah, I got my Jesus patch right here. Oh, it's over here. Well, it's kind of back. Well, it's under. I put it back here somewhere. I had a hole back there. And she said, you know, you can't do that. That doesn't work that way. If you take the new wine and you put it in the old wineskin, kaboom. You know, it doesn't hold. It's not meant to be that way. So you've got to start with the new wineskin. When you get the new shirt, you just got to take the new shirt. You know, you just put the new shirt on. You recognize, hey, new shirt, good deal. Everybody's good. So that's Jesus saying this is what it would be like if we were to behave this way at this time. Jesus' call to follow him, to receive new wine, to dance, to put on a new shirt, uh, it's, it's what makes following Jesus possible. You know, it's part of the conversion experience. And God is working. It's not all about it. We're, just not supposed to, we're not supposed to do it ourselves. You know, we start following and realize, okay, Jesus gives us what we need to follow. You know, I need new wineskins. I need a new heart. And thanks be to God, God gives us a new heart. And so that's the miracle of it all. Um, and, you know, I hear Jesus when I'm just considering my own, just going, okay, am I, am I following Jesus? Am I willing to follow Jesus? Do I hear Jesus asking me again this week to follow him and then what is my response and I realized that in the places where I'm hesitant to say yes it's just because I flat out don't trust Jesus you know I don't trust the new shirt yet because I'm comfortable in my old shirt and I'm just not sure if I'm ready for the new shirt and so I have these places in my life where I'm going okay I hear you but I'm just not quite there you know and you know, part of that's okay but we you know so what is it about Jesus that we're not trusting yet that 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 makes it hard for us to risk what we need to risk uh, to put on the new shirt, to uh, open ourselves to being a new wineskin, to uh, following Jesus in, a, in this difficult world. Uh, what is holding us back? 
You know, what are those things that are holding us? We have many objections, you know, uh, as, as Jesus tells in the parable, hey, the old is good enough for me. I'm okay to just kind of ease along. I'm fine with the Jesus patch. You know, it works. I can kind of represent, but I can keep doing what I was doing. I don't have to, my life doesn't have to change. It's all good. Um, and then other times we think, you know, I've been disqualified. I can't follow Jesus because I did so-and-so, and I was a part of so-and-so. And back when so-and-so was happening, I was there. And so we kind of disqualify ourselves. And, you know, Jesus says in this banquet, he's like, You're, everybody's welcome. I'm calling everybody. Uh, anybody that wants to follow me uh, is here. And we'll say, well, I'm not like so-and-so. You know, when I think of following Jesus, I think of so-and-so. And, -so. and I, I'm, just, I'm just not there. And Jesus is saying, it's okay. So I can have you and so-and-so. We can work together. So come on. Uh, you know, and then there's those of us, I think, that say, you know, I used to follow Jesus. And I wore the Jesus shirt. But things got hard and some stuff happened in my life and I got mad and I took it off. And, you know, I'm, that's kind of where I'm at. And, you know, that's okay. Uh, bring the shirt, you know, bring the shirt with you and we'll see where it goes. Bring those questions. When you follow Jesus, you're in the footsteps of Jesus. The questions are welcome. You know, the pain is welcome. The frustration is welcome. So we bring our questions, we bring our objections, we bring our I'm disqualified things with us today uh, in response to the Word of God this morning. And so as we finish up, uh, we would be remiss, I think, to not see uh, and mention for a moment the connection between the meal that we're about to participate in, which we call the Lord's Supper or Holy Communion. Do you kind of see the foreshadowing of the Last Supper and then of the feast which will go on eternally when Jesus is saying, we need new wineskins. There's a new wine in town, and in order to receive it, the heart has to change. I mean, I think we see this foreshadowing of Holy Communion, of the Last Supper, in the very words of Jesus here. It's another invitation to dance. It's another invitation to feast when the bridegroom is present. And so we celebrate when we celebrate communion that the bridegroom is here, that Jesus is here, that, that anywhere Jesus is is heaven. So we get a chance to taste heaven here this morning. And that is the opportunity before us. And it reminds us that we will eat and drink with Jesus for all eternity, that when, when we are no longer in this mortal body and we are with Jesus in heaven eternally, the band will always be playing. <laughs> I mean, the band plays all the time. And we get to join the angels, and so we dance all the time. Uh, but these flashes in life when we're still in this mortal body, uh, we, it's a little harder to see. You know, as Paul said, we see, but we see dimly. And so we're, we're, our eyes are being opened. So when we see Jesus, when we hear the band, you know, let's dance. Uh, I'm reminded of the text in Ezekiel where the prophet says, look, this, this is what the new covenant's going to be like in chapter 36. Uh, I, God says, I will give you a new heart. You know, you, you're familiar with the heart of stone, and you see that as a barrier, but I'm going to give you a new heart. I'm going to give you a new wineskin. I'm going to put it within you, and I will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. So with this beautiful character of Jesus before us, uh, may we hear the music together, and may we dance. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.